So I'll remind you that we are in our second week of our stewardship campaign, uh, second of three. So next week we conclude, and part of our, our, our Sunday next Sunday is Commitment Sunday. And so we're asking you to return your commitment cards for 2018, if you'll return them, and we'll have a time during the service for you to come and, and, and place them on the altar. And so we invite you to do that. If you're not able to be here, uh, of course, you can turn in your card at any time. But we're in this stewardship campaign. Our theme is um, our daily bread. And our theme simply reminds us that we are to rely daily on God's provision. We uh, ask God this morning in the Lord's Prayer, and every time we say it, we say, give us today our daily bread. Yet how often do we actually mean that? How often do we really trust God to give us what we need? Our goal during these three weeks is to help us to get to a point where we do trust God to, to provide and that we show that trust through our giving. Martin Luther once said, there are three conversions necessary. The conversion of the heart, mind, and the purse. Experience tells us that the most difficult of these three to convert is the pocketbook. Why? Well, because money often has a power and a control over us. Jesus spoke to the heart of the problem when he says, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus personifies money as a rival God. Money is power that seeks to dominate us. It is capable of inspiring devotion and sacrifice, and the rejection of this false God is necessary in order to follow the true God. And we see in the book of Malachi that the people of Malachi's day had allowed other things, specifically allowed money, to become their God. The prophet makes it plain that if they were going to break the grip of this false God, they needed to learn how to give. And so what I, when we get into this, as we get into this passage, I want you to see that this passage is really more about repentance than it is about giving. The subject is tithing and giving to God, but the theme is repentance. In reality, this is a revival passage. God says to the people, return to me and I will return to you. God is saying that if you will repent, I will pour out myself, my full self, into your lives with all of my might. I will give you myself in all of my fullness. And that's what revival is all about. God's desire was to fully bless the people by giving himself to them. But I, I, at the same time, I don't want us to, to separate the passage from giving. Uh, there is a very close relationship between giving and repentance in our passage. And so what do the people need to repent from? Uh, here again from this passage, he says, But you ask, how are we to return? And God says, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? And God replies, In tithes and offerings. I think a lot of us who struggle with the idea of giving, we think, I just need some more money, right? I'd give if I had some more money. 
I mean, you know, we've the whole lottery discussion. You know, if I won the lottery, the first thing I'd do, I'd give it to the church. Okay. Let me tell you something. If you had more money, you'd find other ways to spend it and to waste it. That's, that's just who we are. The person who does not give does not need more money. They need repentance. They need to turn to God. That is what repentance means, to turn away from wrongdoing and to turn back to God. God says, return to me. But, but how exactly were God's people robbing God through their tithes and offerings? Well, we have to go back to the beginning of Malachi and listen to this. God says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, where's the honor due me? If I'm a master, where's the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now implore God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. So if we go back and we look at uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, God was very clear about how the people were to sacrifice to God and to, to bring God his offerings. They were to bring to God their most pure livestock, their most pure animals, without defect or without blemish. Here God is saying that, that his people were giving him their leftovers. They were giving him the blind and the lame animals, the ones they you know, weren't really going to use anyways. Hey, we'll give those to God. Now, if you think this doesn't apply to us because you know, we're no longer sacrificing animals to God, we give God our leftovers all the time. We give our leftover time. Well, I got, you know, after I filled up my schedule, I'll give you whatever's left. We give, give God our leftover energy. We give God our leftover thoughts, and we give God our leftover money. You know, when we wait to give to God at the end of the month instead of at the first, after, you know, we've waited to see how much money we've got left, after we, you know, pay the bills and, and you know, see who's going to call us and all those creditors and whatever, and we're giving God our leftovers. Because when we do that, if we have any money left over, it's most likely isn't a full tithe. We're giving God our leftovers. When I lead uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University class, and we get to the part about doing the budget, and, and uh, Dave always has tithing at the top of the budget form. Now, he's, he's most, most of the time, everybody in that class has some debt. And they're taking the class so they'll help get out of debt. Yet he's still got tithing at the top. And so if you've got debt or if you've got creditors coming after you, guess what? They're at the bottom of the budget. The creditors get the short change, not God. God tells us in Proverbs 3, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. God doesn't want our leftovers. He wants our first fruits. He wants the best. 
He wants our best. We don't give leftovers to the government or to the bank or to Georgia Power or EMC. We make sure they're paid. Why should we do that to God? Now, our passage from Malachi, God gives us a great path for giving to God. He, he's laid it out there pretty clear so that we can follow it, and we find it in verse 10. And so here's the command. Here's verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. So the first thing we have is an action. Bring. Bring the whole tithe. God wants us to bring him our tithe. Now, we, we live in a day and age where um, there's less and less of us that have checkbooks, and we have the ability to electronically, uh, you know, give an electronic check to the church. And now our church, we've got uh, availability, online giving through our website. So for most of us, this helps us to give and to take our tithe uh, at the beginning of the month. But when God says to bring the tithe, he's really talking about worship. God wants to be worshipped and should be worshipped, and we worship him through song and through prayer and through giving. Here's the thing. God is more concerned with us as human beings, as his children, than he is uh, about our money. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need my money. God chose to make us a part of his plan for our benefit, not his. We need to give far more than God needs to receive. So when God says to bring the tithe, he is inviting us into a relationship with him. He wants our giving to be a part of a personal relationship with him. Think about all your relationships with other people. I love gifts, man. Whew, that's my love language right there. Just, you know, I love gifts. And, and they're great. And when you get a gift, you love it. And it's a, and it's a great reflection on, on how somebody feels about you. But I think most of us, if we got down to it, most of us, for most of us, the time spent with a loved one or a friend or whoever is worth much more than a gift. So for God, our giving isn't really about the money. It's about a relationship. When God says, bring the whole tithe, he's really focused on us. He wants that personal time with us. So we have the action, and then, then we have the amount. It says, bring the whole tithe. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, what's a tithe? I mean, that's such a weird word, right? The word tithe literally means 10%. And God is saying for us to bring the whole tithe, not part of the tithe, not half of the tithe, but the whole tithe. And maybe this is just a vocabulary problem, but you might hear somebody talk about tithing 1% or tithing 3% or I'm tithing 5%. Well, by definition, you can't tithe 1% or 3% or 5%. You can give 1% or you can give 3% or you can give 5%, but you're not tithing you can only tithe 10%. So partial obedience is still disobedience. Now, I know in our stewardship letter that I wrote, there was an option or encouragement 
for you to start giving something if you haven't been giving. And I think I talked about gradually working your way up to 10%. So say if you're giving 4% right now, you know, this year go up a percent, and then next year, next year until you're there. You know, even though I wrote that letter, I have always struggled with that idea. I know plenty of pastors who teach a, you know, a gradual method of giving until you're able to tithe. But the problem is, it's kind of a big problem, it's just not biblical. It's just not biblical. Nowhere in the Bible are we given the option, hey, you know, you start at 2%. You feel free to do that? Every year you just work yourself up to that until you get to that, you know, full obedience. Obey me a little bit so that later you can obey me a lot of bit. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Anything less than 10% is disobedience. Again, God was upset with the people because they were robbing him by not giving the whole tithe. I think we encourage gradual giving for our sakes and for the, the church church's sake. Personally, you know, I mean, we don't want to make a drastic change in our finances, right? I mean, who wants to turn off the cable or satellite or use, not use credit cards or eat out less or drink a little less coffee? I mean, stop it. You're getting on my toes, preacher. Stop it. No, we don't want to do that. We don't want to make drastic changes. And then the church figures, hey, you know, if someone isn't giving, you know, if we, we offer this gradual giving, then that'll at least help them to start giving. And, you know, hey, we need the money. But while that may bring in a little bit more money, it's not helping people spiritually. God calls for the whole tithe. And anything less is disobedience. And I know it's a tough pill to swallow when you got bills piling up and finances and expenses all around and but we have, we all, all of us have excess in our lives. And so we're invited to cut the fat and to give God the first fruits. This is what we're called and commanded to do. And so we, we you know, we've got this action and we've got the amount and we, we also have a destination. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouses. So where are tithes supposed to go? The storehouse in the Old Testament was a special treasure room where the people brought their tithes. Out of this room, the needs of the priest were met along with the ministry needs of the day. For example, part of the welfare needs were taken care of out of the storehouse uh, tithe. Now, obviously, you know, we don't have a temple. We live in the New Testament age in a New Testament church. And the church and the storehouse are somewhat different. The church is more of a conduit than a storehouse. And when we look at the New Testament, every example of giving in the New Testament goes through the local church. Out of 115 mentions of the word of the of the word church in the New Testament, 95 times it refers to the local church. The other times referring to the global church, the universal church. I would argue that the whole tithe is supposed to go through the church and to the church. It is through the church that ministry needs are met. Along these lines, verse 10 tells us the purpose of our tithe. The purpose is, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. 
In the Old Testament, the tithe was God's plan for financing his tabernacle and later his temple. The primary um, purpose was to support the Levites who had given up their inheritance in the land to be priests before God. And so today, the church is the body through which God ministers in the world today. Just as the tithe financed the religious life of Israel, today it provides for the work of the church. Again, the church is not a storehouse. It's a conduit. It's a conduit to do the work of the gospel in Jerusalem and in, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If every Christian, and I know you've heard this before, if every Christian would be faithful in their tithing, there'd never, ever be a lack of funds to do any of the work of the kingdom of God here on earth. Back when we had the hurricanes in Houston and Florida, there was a great article in the Washington Post or one of those big papers up north. And um, it was a wonderful article basically outlining, hey, if you want to get rid of government, big government, then you need to give uh, to your church. Because basically it talked about how all of the people that were first in on these hurricanes were all mission agencies from the Methodist Church, from the Baptist, everywhere. Samaritan's Purse. And actually, the federal government was in the back, they were in the background because all these other ones had taken the lead. The church is how we take care of each other and how we're supposed to take care of each other through the tithe. Listen, and I, I, I don't want you to tithe to a budget line item. I want you to tithe first because God requires it, but I want you to tithe to support ministry because we're trying to do good in this world. That's what the church is. It is a ministry. So the last thing we see from verse 10 is a challenge. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. He says, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse. There may be food in my house. Test me in this. You know, there's a lot of scriptures that warn us against testing God. Yet this is the only place in scripture where we are given the right to test God, and it's with our giving. Here we have the challenge of God himself to prove his word. And here's what God promises us when we test him in our giving, and it's simply blessings. He offers us blessings. He offers us a spiritual blessing. He says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Let me tell you what, the floodgates of heaven are not filled with money. They are full of God. And so what then is this promise? It says, go back to the statement, return to me and I will return to you. Or if you repent, I will pour out myself fully on you. The promise of God is that of himself. And I would rather have God in all of his fullness than any amount of money or possessions that this world could offer. When we give, God promises him us himself. The first blessing God promises is is himself. The second blessing is a material blessing. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit. God's material blessings are a byproduct of our being obedient to God in our giving. Our motive in giving should never be a material blessing. I'm not up here preaching prosperity gospel that, you know, you give a certain amount of money, God's going to return that in a material blessing. I don't believe that. That's, that's 
that's not the, the gospel. That's not, that's not biblical. However, God does promise to meet our needs when we are faithful in giving. You know, some of us are wondering, how in the world can, can, you, can we tithe? How can you, can, you, can you tithe and still provide for your family and meet your needs? Well, I can't tell you how, because God does it different for each individual. But when we are faithful with our tithe, God provides. Even when you do your budget and you're like, you're sitting down there and you, count, you, count, you got your income and your expenses and there's a negative at the end, I'm telling you what, if you're faithful in your giving, somehow, I don't know how, but God does it. He provides. I have never lacked anything. Never. The second blessing God gives us is a material blessing. And the last blessing is this. It's a blessing of being a witness. He says, then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. If we will be the people whom God has created us to be and saved us to be, we will be a walking testimony for him to the neighbors we live in, in the schools we attend, in the places where we work, and in the places that we play. We will be a witness of God's provision. Lost people will turn and see Jesus through the blessings God has given us. I've seen a bumper sticker, and you've probably seen it too, or something, t-shirt, I don't know. It says, making a living is about what you get. Making a life is about what you give. The question for us is not, do we have enough money to give? The question is, do we have the faith to trust God to provide? His promise is that if we return to him, we trust in him and do it his way, he will provide. God will provide. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for this, this, this challenge that you have given us to test you. And I am confident that you are faithful. If we will be faithful to you, you will certainly be faithful to us. Lord, wherever there's a wall in our life and we're just, we just having trouble trusting you, Lord, break it down. For some of us here, giving's not an issue. That's fine. We're fine, but maybe it's with a job. Maybe it's with a loved one. Help us in all of our lives, every aspect, to trust you, to know that you will provide. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.